Good morning from WKYT News. I'm Bill Bryant and we welcome you to Kentucky Newsmakers. A little later, a group offers up an option to pay for the state's Medicaid expansion during a tight time for the state budget. The head of Balanced Kentucky will be with us here shortly. But first, Lexington Mayor Linda Gorton is here. Her first couple of months on the job have been a whirlwind. She's had to deliver some sobering news about the city's expenses, deal with a continued wave of shootings, and she's convinced many of those are largely connected to the drug issue. A reporting this week also indicates Lexington owes about $376 million and will have payments next year of $47 million. We'll ask the mayor about that. There have been some fun times along the way, like uh, getting a temporary movie set in downtown Lexington that will show off the city when that's released as a film. And she won a bet and had a chance to have a meal with the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee after the Wildcats beat the Tennessee Vols. Mayor Gorton won a decisive victory in November and comes to the office after having served as vice mayor and on the city council for 16 years. Mayor Gorton, welcome. Appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. It's great to be Fresh back. Fresh off your meeting with Kane. So. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, I didn't know a thing about wrestling. <laughs> well, we'll get to but that I a little found later. Out. Right, all right. Well, what a ride it has been for you the last uh, several weeks, and, and really all of this. Uh, mm -hmm. It came as a surprise to you, a, a retired nurse who uh, seemed eager for a simpler life, and uh, you you know, I get the feeling, though, from everything I observe of you, that you wouldn't have missed this chapter for the world. No, I would not. It's a, I'm finding out it's a great fit for me. Now, everybody else tells me they already knew that, but um, it is a wonderful fit, and I'm, I'm greatly enjoying it. Even the difficult parts, you know, the, the problem solving and the creativity needed to move through some tough, tough issues but I'm, I'm enjoying every minute of it. Well, let's get into some of the issues. Okay. Uh, certainly there is uh, an issue with the budget and you're, yes. you're concerned about mm -hmm. uh, a shortfall yes. uh, and exactly uh, how you're going to uh, reprioritize and arrange things. Mm -hmm. Yes, about uh, my second week in office, I learned that we are experiencing decreasing revenues and there, it's a significant de decrease. And so we've been, we get updates periodically. Our budgeting and finance folks have been at the economic summit at UK and we're watching it very closely, but it was clear to me we were not going to make our budget this year, the one we're operating on now. So we have um, made some cuts. What we're basically doing is we've, we call it frosting. We frosted our hirings. We still hire absolutely essential personnel, but otherwise our vacancies are frozen. And so that's one thing. And then we're encumbering money that hasn't been spent up to this point, a portion of it. So, um, you know, it's, it's all making a good positive difference on the current budget. Next year's budget will be very difficult. We don't expect an upturn in our revenues, and um, we, our pension payment will come due, and we have a lot of, a lot of obligations. Well, what is behind this decrease in revenue? I mean, largely the payroll tax is, uh, is where you get your money, right? It's the payroll tax, and it, the two that are, are, well, we have four major areas of revenue, but the payroll tax that our workers pay 
and the net profits that business pays, the net profit tax, those are down. Our franchise fees have been down. Those are the franchise fees on utilities, and they're very weather-related. So we have a lot of different places where they're down. And then this spring, we're going to lose train, which will be 600 jobs, right. which is another loss in revenue. And this is why jobs are so important to us here and to our economic situation. Louisville is uh, considering tax increases to deal with this uh, mm -hmm. pension debt and uh, that is now coming due. Uh, a lot of cities are financially challenged. Mm -hmm. uh, do you uh, potentially look at uh, enhancing revenue in some way? We haven't discussed that yet because um, I think the first thing we need to do is look to see where we can tighten our belt. That's what you would do or I would do at home and we, we need to see where our expenditures can be slowed down and decreased. One place it is difficult to, uh, to decrease are payments that are due from the city. This mm -hmm. week there was some reporting that the uh, sparkling renovations at the old courthouse and certainly at the Lexington Center are among the reasons that Lexington will pay more than $47 million in debt service mm -hmm. this year. Yes. Uh, that's significant. Is yes. That, is that a concern to you that it's that high? Uh, it is a concern to me. The best practice for debt for cities is 10% of your revenue. And we are hovering right now at 12%. And that's, that's high. And um, we don't have any debt payments rolling off. Usually we do. So that makes room for more to come on. And we don't have that this year or next year. And so it is a concern for me that our debt is at 12%. And the, those projects that you mentioned are already in our, in our debt. So they're not new debt in the future, but they're already considered. And they're, they're hard and fast payments. So is that in the back of your mind as you also consider potentially a new city hall, which is a, a hot topic. Uh, previous plans uh, have been scrapped. Uh, the government uh, remains housed in an old, old hotel that was uh, supposed to be temporary 40 years ago yes. uh, when it became the, uh, the government center. Uh, what are the options there? I don't see very many options right now because that will take money. And, um, you know, it would either need to be bonded or be cash, depending on the method of, of uh, building and acquiring a new city hall. And we all know we need a new one. Uh, yesterday, when uh, Mayor Jacobs from Knox County was here, he walked into the ballroom at the old, you know, at our current government center, and he said, oh, this is beautiful. I wish we had this. And we, we said, well, it comes with some issues. <laughs> So I'm, I'm take a little elevator ride, right? Right, right. <laughs> or be here during the rain, but I I'm not real optimistic that we'll have a new government center in next year's budget. So does this mean it's? Uh, would you say it is postponed? I mean, is that your your guidance? Well, that would be my thinking. Now the council is a part of this, so there they have actually formed committees to look at what we need and what we want in a new government center. So when it, you know, when push comes to shove, if the money isn't there, we can't do it. Do you want all of city government housed in one location <clears throat> in the downtown area? Or 
you know, do you do as some cities have done, as state government does, and you kind of spread out ac across town? Well, we're spread out now in five buildings downtown, and I think it would be great to consolidate what we have in the government center and what we have in the Phoenix, the old Phoenix building. That would be great to pull those people all together in the government center. It's still, the question's still out as to whether we want to have police in there. You know, that's a, an ongoing discussion. And um, I'm listening to those issues, and so we'll see. But it would be really good to have more of us in the same facility. Speaking of police, we've had another uh, rough patch with shootings in the community. Uh, it often appears uh, random, but it keeps people on edge in their mm -hmm. neighborhoods. I know mm -hmm. you're very aware and concerned about that. We're beginning to potentially hear some encouraging numbers, at mm -hmm. least, as to what uh, may be happening out there. Yes, we are. Our, our part one crime, which is our most serious crime, it's murder, rape, arson, robbery, the really bad stuff, is down. And it's the lowest it's been in six years. And that's good news. That's really great news. But it's an ongoing challenge. You know, crime, crime goes up and it goes down. And it's a constant matter of work and, and this group of people, everyone from our police to the U.S. Attorney's Office to the Sheriff to all the public safety people have worked together really hard on this. And it's, it's linked to drugs. And um, so we're, we're happy that it's down, but it's, it's an ongoing challenge. You have said you fully intend to get after the opioid crisis, yes. at least as best you can mm -hmm. from your perch as mayor of Lexington. Yes. Uh, how will your administration take that on? Well, we're already taking it on. I've hired Andrea James, whose total job right now is to focus on opioid addiction treatment and recovery. And she has met with many folks already in the public safety arena to see what they're doing. She's met with folks in the hospitals and the different areas in town that are already doing their piece. And so she's working really hard to pull together uh, some ideas of what's already being accomplished and then we'll pull in people from the community to be on a team to look at a strategy forward. I mean, the government can't do all this by itself, but we can be the convener and the facilitator and you know, she's working really hard on this every day. So. Uh, some experts at UK <laughs> indicate that we have not at this point felt the full impact of the, uh, mm -hmm. uh, particularly, you know, IV illicit drug use. Yes, yes. That more problems are coming. Yes, and you know, Bill, it's a it's an ongoing, changing landscape out there. I mean, today it's opioids and fentanyl. Tomorrow it may be something different. We remember the days when it was heroin and cocaine, and you can go back through history. Th this will probably change and um, but we will I don't believe we will have as great an impact of, as we can have unless we're all working on it in a concerted effort together. We are with Lexington Mayor Linda Gordon on WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers affordable housing and some fun topics before we go with her and then later a possible future funding source for Medicaid. Keep it here on WKYT Kentucky Newsmakers.
Welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. We're visiting with Lexington Mayor Linda Gorton. And, uh, you know, it's been a pretty deep, cold winter out there. And uh, once again, that has sort of put the spotlight on Lexington's uh, homeless population. Yes. Uh, the city works to address that, but those numbers uh, seem to still be climbing. Well, actually, we just last week saw new numbers. Okay, I haven't you, seen those. Okay, well. Because last month, they, the first count was that they were up yeah, a little. Well, they did the count on the coldest night of the right. year, which was really good for the count because a lot of our homeless went into shelters that night because it was so cold. So there were very few actually out in the cold. And the numbers actually show that we're creeping down. So um, the work that we've been doing and that um, our Office of Homeless Prevention has been doing with partners in the community, we think is having an impact. They're, they're slowly creeping down, so that's good news. There's always talk about affordable housing in Lexington. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a lot of uh, growth in the popular uh, priced homes seems to be moving to uh, Madison, mm -hmm. Scott, and Jessamine counties. Mm -hmm. uh, how delicate is that balance uh, for you uh, going forward between preserving the farms and the history that make the bluegrass so special mm -hmm. and allowing for some development of uh, homes that are people can afford? Yes. Well, it's a, it's a balance that we have to always pay attention to because Lexington's a very special place. And... Um, you know, we want to keep it a special place, but we also don't want to price people out of the market. Now, I will say this affordable housing issue is nationwide. It is not just Lexington's problem. And um, so it's everywhere. And I think we need to keep it in that perspective that it's not unique to Lexington. And we, are all, we always have our eye on this, and we're working really hard with the, the development community to pay attention to what we need to be doing. We've had money in our affordable housing fund for a few years now, and it's being well used. So we keep at it. Well, we've talked about a lot of challenges. Let's talk yes. about some fun. You were on a, a movie set right in downtown yeah. Lexington this week. Uh, Drew Barrymore uh, filming in town and over in Versailles. Uh, you called that a big day for Lexington. It was a big day because we have, you know, I look at that and it's all fun, but it's also economic development. Those folks booked many, many hotel rooms for the cast and crew. They were eating in our restaurants. They were enjoying everything that we have to enjoy. And so that's good for our economy, first of all. And I met the writer of the, of the movie who's from London, England. He was over here. The director was in from California. They all love Lexington. They want to come back. Um, it was just, it was great fun and it's good for Lexington. The film industry is another piece of the economy that I want here. You met with uh, the mayor of Knox County, Tennessee and uh, <laughs> collected on your bed after Kentucky beat Tennessee in their uh, earlier meeting. Uh, was there any gloating on your part? Uh, well, not <laughs> really. <laughs> he's you know, a pro I, wrestler known as Kane. Yes, you know. yes, and he's... <laughs> 
very large. <laughs> and uh, standing next to him, I did look sort of like a shrimp, <laughs> right? But he was very gracious. I might have, you know, said how wonderful he looked in Kentucky blue and white. But he was a great guy. And we had an opportunity to talk in my office before going for all the public part of this. And we talked about some of the issues he's facing. And they were very similar to issues here. I was, I was kind of surprised, you know, they're dealing with affordable housing. They're dealing with pension issues. They're dealing with the opioid mm -hmm. uh, addiction issue. And he really, I told him about our partnership with Baptist Health and how we showed the film Beautiful Boy and filled up the theater. And he said, you know, we might do that in Knox County. That's a great idea. You know, we can learn from partners even if they're a few hours away. So we've agreed to talk further and um, talk about some of our common issues. All right. Keeneland will have a music festival later this year. They yes. made that announcement. Yes. Uh, the spring meet is not far away. Spring is coming, Mayor. Yes. Lots <laughs> of good right. things going on. <laughs> thank you for coming thank by. Thank you, and Bill. I hope you'll come by from time to time and yes. update us. We appreciate yes, it very much. You. Stay with us. We'll talk about a potential way to pay for for the Medicaid expansion, Balance Health Kentucky, coming next on Kentucky Newsmakers. Welcome back to WKYT's Kentucky Newsmakers. Kentucky's Medicaid program was expanded under Governor Steve Beshear to include about 500,000 more Kentuckians. Governor Matt Bevan has called the cost of the program unsustainable for state government, and his administration is seeking changes, including work requirements. He's indicated that if Kentucky can't do the waivers and save the money, the state may have to end the Medicaid expansion. A group called Balanced Health Kentucky believes it has a solution to the cost that would reform state health care taxes. Riggs Lewis heads up Balanced Health Kentucky. He joins me today to uh, talk about the group's mission. Thanks for coming. Appreciate Thank, it very thanks, much. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for having us. Uh, your, your group has said that we can uh, keep the health care uh, coverage for people through the Medicaid expansion and, uh, and do that by moving around some money or taxing some others who currently do not uh, get taxed, right? We do. We, uh, Balanced Health Kentucky is a not-for-profit group, all volunteers. And our goal is to look at the existing federal law and state law, the ability for states to pay for Medicaid expansion if they choose to. Uh, Kentucky expanded it by executive order. The legislature was not involved in that. Uh, there has been no plan to pay for what is now 410,000 people. It's swelled to 500. It's back down to 410. Uh, but 410,000 people, the state has to pay 10% of that next year. Right now it's at 6%, so it's a growing uh, cost. There is no plan currently to pay for it. We came forward in August of 18 with a comprehensive tax reform plan that empowers the legislature to choose how they want to pay for it. But the tool is there. It's built by the former economist for the legislature from UK. We hired him to rebuild the Medicaid budget and give it back to the legislature. Right now, there is a, a health provider tax that some are in the system and pay and some don't. Chiefly right now, it is hospitals and nursing homes. That's right? correct. We're 61 hospitals. I work for a hospital system. We are 61% of the tax. Nursing homes are about 30 and a few others pay a smaller amount. Uh, this goes back to 1991. Congress required states to have a certain formula for paying for their share of Medicaid. Uh, it has changed over the years. Kentucky used to tax all 18 categories of, of health econ healthcare economy companies. Now we're down to five. We've winnowed those down for policy reasons, lobbying reasons. Uh, there's always a carve out in the tax law 
there are about 13 loopholes out of the 18, 13 don't pay the, the provider tax. And you know the legislature is uh, reluctant to raise taxes and to, as in this case, it would be to loop some others in yes. to the tax, uh, certainly. Uh, I'm sure, and you mentioned lobbyists, I'm sure they would quickly hear from uh, optometrists, the dentists, the psychiatrists, other providers around the state. Uh, do you uh, ha have a, ha how do you tell the legislature that, you know, this is the thing to do. Well, we, because those providers would probably say yeah. people would even skip the, uh, you know, their basic uh, checkups. Sure. First of all, to be honest with the legislature is not to say there's no problem. There is a problem. All taxes are inflationary and they're always passed through, even the ones we pay currently. But what we're saying is you have a choice between bad and awful. That's where we are. Putting aside the largest issue out there is pensions. The second largest financial responsibility is Medicaid. The choice between bad and awful is you can deal with tax reform, you can deal with the tough issues of tax reform, who should or who shouldn't pay, but awful is ending Medicaid expansion because it's not funded. It's funded, the governor has complete authority to, uh, to unplug Medicaid expansion and 410,000 people today would not have health care coverage. That was primary care coverage that is dealing with screening for hepatitis A, hepatitis C, uh, blood pressure medicines. Those people would be back out of the system and the costs are then borne on emergency rooms or no care at all. So the choice between bad and awful is let's deal with the tax policy, let's deal with the funding of it versus walking away from the program. One of the things that was surprising to me through some of the materials that you provided was that, you know, one might think that uh, the Medicaid recipients are heavily concentrated in certain areas of the state, and it's a surprise as to, uh, to how evenly spread uh, those really are. You're, you're part, of the, part of any education process is data, and that data has to be accurate. Uh, the governor's office gave us all the data we needed. It was uh, the, both the Medicaid, the, the Revenue Cabinet, the Budget Office. All that data comes from state government. What we found out is in the Louisville market, in Jefferson County, 65,000 people are on Medicaid expansion. In Eastern Kentucky, which would be what we know to be the Old Fifth, or the entire, that's 110,000 people across about 30 counties. So same population, a congressional district, in Congressman Rogers' district, 110,000. Congressman Yarmus is 65,000. Congressman Comer, 72,000. Uh, the fewest are in northern Kentucky, but that's 65,000 in that congressional district. So it is not, it is everywhere, but it's highly concentrated where there is poverty. So eastern Kentucky would be hit hard. They are the, they, they, they are the lead uh, congressional district. Again, 110,000 in, in the 5th district and 65,000 in the 3rd congressional, which is Louisville. Do you have any concerns that the, uh, the health care uh, expansion, the Medicaid expansion, will be rolled back? That's a question for Congress tried, Congress did not do that. The decision, the moment that, remember the John McCain's thumbs down in Congress on the floor of the Senate, when, that's, when that happened, all the decisions moved to the state. Was, it is now the law of the land, claimed by uh, the majority leader. The ACA is the law of the land, now the states have to find their way to pay for their share of it. Or, as this state has, is empowered to do, the governor can by executive order end Medicaid expansion, unless there's a funding mechanism. So we stepped into that, that, that void and said, we found a way to do it under current tax law. It is both equitable, it is a lower rate and a broader base, it removes loopholes, it is a conservative way to approach tax reform if the General Assembly wishes to keep Medicaid expansion. Does expanding that to the other providers uh, take care of the problem? It takes care of the funding. 
it takes care of the funding it, and under ours there are really of the 15 remaining of the of the 13 remaining categories there's concentrated monies in insurance the MCOs you hear about uh, number two pharmaceuticals physicians uh, you move down to medical devices there are some categories that really there's no revenue in now that is up to the General Assembly if they want to do all uh, or just some and again we take no position as to which categories do pay into it but it is not sustainable as the federal government requires the states to pay their their 10 percent match in 2020 I moved up from no remember this is all f federal money that was all federal no state and it's been stepped up to 10 percent state match where do we find that money under our f current fiscal situation? As you know, uh, the, the governor says that if uh, you know people, the, the goal here should be to get people more gainfully employed, uh, so that they can remove themselves from Medicaid. Sure. Is is that uh, is that realistic? Well, for hospitals, our best payers are those who are commercial payers, who uh, a person who has health insurance through their employer. So that's ideal. That is ideal. The second is the government payer, which is Medicare, then Medicaid. The worst is the no pay, the person who has no insurance, who is, who is charity care or bad debt. So for hospitals, we want that as a goal. Currently today, we're in the best economy of a generation, and we still have 410,000 people on Medicaid expansion. Medicaid and all social services are inverse to the economy. As the economy gets better, less people are on it, but when the economy goes poorly, more people enroll. As we head into the election year of 2020, which is also the budget year in Kentucky, when you will be trying to discuss this with the legislature, isn't the whole health care debate going to be wide open again? You know, with the, you have several candidates uh, now talking about uh, all kinds of scenarios. Sure. 2018 was the largest debate of policy of health care across the country. The 2018 election was about health care. Uh, we in Kentucky get a 2019 off-year election for governor. We're the first state to get a waiver for Medicaid. Healthcare will be, if not the, the, the first conversation in the governor's race, it'll be the number two behind fiscal integrity, pension. Healthcare is the top topic for us in the governor's race. Balancedhealthky.com, that's, that's your, correct. your website. Yes. And people can go on there, find out more information. We give you three deliverables. They're free to everyone, uh, friend and foe alike. Uh, one is a legal summary of the entire history of Medicaid in Kentucky from the day we had to start paying in 1991. Two is a budget toolkit spreadsheet built by the former economist for the legislature to rebuild Medicaid. And the third is a mapping service that you can click on your home county, see which, how many Medicaid expansion members are in your home county uh, to see how many, people, how many lives are affected. We do that for legislative districts, congressional, state senate, state house. Balancedhealthky.com yes, on that website. Riggs, thanks for coming. Appreciate it very thank much. Thank you so All much. Right, sir. Thank you, and thank you for joining us for this edition of Kentucky Newsmakers. Make it a good week ahead.